everybody, welcome back to another episode of Between Sermons, where we get to continue the conversation from Sunday, and we're going to have an amazing time today, because if you were part of our church, you saw on Sunday, we had a great conversation with our counseling team and and how to navigate conflict in marriage and relationships, Uh, and so today, my guest is actually the boss of it all. Uh, the one and only Kiana Hardy, who actually runs our counseling department here. So you weren't on the stage, but yeah. you were you were down on the floor giving them side eyes and <laughs> like telling them cut when they're going a little too far. Uh, but I was yeah, coaching from but the sidelines. Yeah, but that's yeah. your team uh, that was up there. And so uh, we are just super grateful yeah. that you have such an amazing team. They are amazing. They are phenomenal. And honestly, I'm honored to work with them. They teach me more than I probably teach them um, because they've all been married longer than me. I've only been married 19 years. Isn't that crazy? Um, it is crazy. And, you know, pe- couples on my team have been married 57 years. Yeah. So I'm like, it's stop calling me boss. Yeah. <laughs> I really honestly feel like I need to be sitting at your feet learning some more. Yep. Um, That's but- how I felt trying to interview them and ask them <laughs> questions. Like, literally, there are people that have been married longer than and I've been alive. Exactly. I was like, your wedding anniversary is before my birth date. <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's wild. Uh, but uh, it was some great uh, insight. We got so many questions, so we're just gonna jump in because uh, even mm-hmm. after you know, kind of eliminating some duplicate questions, some questions that were really similar, we're still sitting at about twenty questions for you today. So okay. I hope you have your answers ready. You got your Starbucks. I'm you're good to it. go. Mm-hmm. Uh, no product placements here, but uh, you know, I'm trying to cover it with my hand. <laughs> It's all right. I already said it out loud. So we'll get, <laughs> we'll get some kind of strike. I don't know. Uh, but uh, so we're just going to jump in with these questions. Okay. Love to get your perspective. Um, so here we go. First one is actually kind of a two part question. I'm going to give you the first part and then we'll tackle the second part. Okay. It says, how can you support your spouse in addressing unresolved childhood issues that affect your marriage? Hmm. That's that's probably a two hour show right there. Pretty much. Um <laughs> So we all bring in baggage, right? We all have childhood issues. We all have maybe experiences that kind of make us who we are, mm-hmm. okay? Um, but some of those issues are more traumatic than others. And yeah. some people are in different places and where when they are ready to yeah. address them. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping I'm not gonna start off this whole thing of communication, 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 <laughs> but one, talking to your spouse, letting them know that you support them and that you would encourage them to seek individual counseling so that they can address the things that they need to address, the things they might been avoiding and support them through that process Um, because it's through that process that they're going to find their healing. Um, I know when things like that come up in marriage counseling, we usually refer people to cleansing streams, okay. you know, as a, as a first step. Like if they're not comfortable with individual counseling, cleansing streams, like let's start. And for people there. that aren't familiar with cleansing stream, it's <clears throat> kind of a deliverance ministry, I guess is the best way to put it. Yes. Yeah. And I always tell people, I was like, cleansing streams is like, in my way of explaining it, it is like cleaning out the gook. Mm-hmm. so that we can do the work of, yeah. the, of the father, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it addresses those things that are happening in your past, yep. the baggages that you brought in, like, into your marriage, whether it's, you know, issues with mom or dad, um, issues with rejection or mm-hmm. abandonment, and giving you a safe space to work through those things yeah. so that you are better able to function in your marriage. Yeah. 
instead of maybe taking out those things on your spouse yep. or your children or other people around you. Yeah. So no, that makes sense. Uh, and you know, a lot of times we talk about how, um, you know, it, a broken person with a broken person, it doesn't create a whole marriage no. or a whole person. Like you really need to be whole and healthy uh, individually. And yeah. so sometimes that care needs to be individual. Yes. Uh, but what do you do? So if you're the <laughs> spouse and you're, you're looking at your husband or you're looking at your wife and you're saying they need help, but mm-hmm. they don't recognize it or they're not willing uh, to put in that kind of work. Like how can you, what, what kind of advice do you have for that spouse? It's like, I don't know what to do because yeah. they need it, but they're not accepting it. Yeah. That's actually something that you have to go to God about. Okay. Um, I really think that if you're praying about your spouse, praying for them, mm-hmm. praying for God to reveal to them what it is that they need to do and making the safe space <clears throat> for them to, um, be okay with yeah. tackling that issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one of the only things we can do because mm-hmm. we can't change anybody. We can't right. make them go to counseling. Yeah. We can encourage them, yeah. you know, um, but we also don't want to nag them either, right? That's because right. it's never going to work to yeah. force somebody into counseling and they're not ready to go to counseling. Yeah. Um, so when you're able to just pray for them, cover them in prayer, um, encourage them, um, and get some work on yourself. Yeah. Like, you know, talk to a counselor yourself. Like, how can, you know, what are some ways I can support my yeah. spouse, you know, based on this situation? Yeah. Um, let's just say if it was a sexual trauma, you might want to learn what are those things that I might be doing to trigger them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a lot of people that have sexual traumas in, in their childhood it impacts their marriage. It yeah. impacts their intimacy with their mm-hmm. spouse. Um, and so being able to um, just kind of learn how to be sensitive and not to take, if they're not interested yeah. in being physically intimate with you, not to take it so personal, yeah. but to maybe see that this might be something that is stemming from another trauma or another issue yeah. in their childhood or in their life. And giving them that space and letting them know that you still love them. Yeah. You know, and that's really what at the root of everything is like, how much do you love you? And how much do you love me? Yeah. Right. And because our whole, I mean, the whole idea of marriage is about serving one another. So it's not about you getting what you want and you getting what you want. It's how can I help you be the best person you are? Yeah. So Man, I feel like that right there would solve like 90% of marriage problems. Uh, just, just right there. Just yeah. saying, you know, I'm not in this for what I'm getting from you, Exactly. Uh, but I'm here for you exactly. and, and what can I pour into you? I, I love that. Yeah. So there was a, there was kind of a second part to this question okay. that felt less of like a counseling question and more of just a spirituality. So okay. uh, the good thing is you're a Christian and you love Jesus. <laughs> so you're equally qualified to answer this, but okay. they, they kind of tacked onto that question. What steps can you take when one partner is growing more spiritually mm-hmm. and so we kind of talked about this a little bit last week with the unequally yoked that sometimes it's not just an unbeliever with a believer sometimes it's two believers that are just not matched up so what, what advice do you have for that person okay so i'm <laughs> okay you choose your words much more carefully than i do i'm trying to <laughs> because i think as a christian there are different ways of growing. Mm-hmm. There are some people that are Christian and they go to church twice a year. Yeah. And then there are some Christians that 
are there every time the doors open. They're involved in every ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you have two people like that married, there has to be grace there, mm-hmm. right? Um, especially if you're already married. Now, if you're not married, that's a whole other conversation. Yep. But if you're married, you have to extend grace to one another and allow for that person to come to Christ in their own way, in their own timing. Because mm-hmm. once again, we cannot force yep. anybody force to be a follower of Christ, right? All we have to do is produce the fruits of the spirit, mm-hmm. right? So when we are producing love and joy and peace in our homes and um, you know gentleness and happiness, and we're giving them like um, this sense of, or faithfulness, and we're giving them this sense of a safe space, Yeah, it draws them more to Christ. And I, I can't remember where the scripture is, but there's a scripture that talks about how you can sanctify each other yeah. through your walk. And it's like, okay, so how do we do that? Well, it's not by saying you need to come to church with me. Yeah. You're not going to church with me. You must yeah. not love me. Um, now, so that is like if there's extreme differences. But I will say that in a regular relationship, like where you pretty much are pretty much at the same level spiritually, I think there is like kind of an ebb and flow, yeah. right? Um, sure. Where you seem to be more in tune with your word this season. And, yep. you know, so, you know, my husband would say to me sometimes, like, you know, when he's talking to his friends, well, I'm going to ask Kiana, she's more spiritual than I am today. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, okay. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we kind of like kind of go back and forth because yeah. there was a time when we first started dating that I was not new to church, but I was new to my faith. Mm-hmm. And I did look to him a little bit more than I might today, yeah. right? Um, so now I know it's like, well, I know how to go to my word and I know how to seek yep. out the answers myself and how to go to God in prayer. And um, then we can talk about things and we're kind of more on the same page. Yeah. Um, but giving, like I said, once again, grace. I mean, because yeah. you're not always 100% every day. For sure. Right? I'm pretty perfect, but I'm not perfect. <laughs> every day right (laughs) i love that so i kind of like try to give you know give each other grace and and um extend some mercy in their in your walk like you know and don't don't be so super holy super religious that you're judging each other right there that that's huge because I, I, I think, you know, what's the old saying? You know, you track more flies with honey than vinegar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, man, the times when I've like come home, it's been a busy day. And I realize like I haven't really done anything spiritual. It's just been work, 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 work. And I come home and I find my wife sitting there reading her Bible. Like that speaks way more into me of like, oh, man, I really need to do that. than if I came home and she's like, did you read your Bible today? Right. Right. So it's like be the example yeah. uh, and then offer that grace. So I yeah. love it. I think that's fantastic. All right. Uh, you're going to love this question. Uh, question number two is what is the role of premarital counseling and when is it most beneficial to engage in during a relationship? So. Um, yes, I love that question as I have my entwined book, uh, nice right here, ready to go. You know, oh, lovely. um, so entwined is the ministry that we have for premarital counseling. Um, and we actually recommend people to go through entwined during the dating process. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why is pretty simple. Once you get the ring on the finger, 
and a date on a calendar, that's all you're focused on. Yep. You're not focused on the relationship anymore. Yeah. Um, but when you're in the dating process, that's when you're willing to do the work. That's when you're willing to have the hard conversations and your focus is on each other and not on flower arrangements and getting yep. to ch church and doing yep. the catering and your dance and yeah. you know taking care of your in-laws to be and you know your girls trip and your boys trip or whatever your focus is on each other yeah and so we always recommend people to come through entwine during the dating process yeah. and in that process going through those six courses it allows you to see the other person in a different light because yeah. what we're trying to do is set this foundation mm -hmm. and and when we can set that foundation you can determine at that point if you're ready to take it to the next step yeah. and we've actually had couples that have come through they might have been dating for a year but they never talked about kids they never talked about their yeah. family drama you know, um, one you of definitely our definitely want to have those conversations before you get married, not after. Definitely, you get married. right? They were having a lot of fun together. Yep, that's how we call it. We yeah. they were good hanging out buddies. They were yeah. good at um, what the Evans call. They went skating and bowling, but they really weren't having a deep conversation, right? Yeah. And and you know, we we encourage people to quiz each other. Yeah. You know, um, ask the hard questions because yeah. if you don't ask the hard questions, I guarantee you whatever you did not ask will come up after you yeah. say I do. Oh yeah, 100% every time. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're gonna be calling asking for Marital counseling, counseling yep. <laughs> or telling me that you want a divorce. Yep. <laughs> and neither one of those is the way to really start a marriage with that mindset. Yeah. So we always say when you're seriously dating and don't rush yeah. i i tell some of the girls and they come in if you're not engaged before you get here don't assume that after you're done with this course that he's going to automatically right. propose because this is not about that this yeah. is not the the step before you get the ring necessarily this is the step before you have the conversation to see if you want the ring if this even works yeah, yeah. no I, I love that you you put it as you know for seriously dating you know even before getting engaged because what happens, I think, is some of the red flags that are are brought out in the six weeks, when you're already engaged, they're more like yellow flags. Sometimes they're even green flags. You're like, oh, it's great, it's fine, because we've already that. like we've already invited family to this thing. I can't pull out now. Exactly. So it's not that big of a deal. When you're dating, you recognize it as okay, yeah, no, this is a this is a deal breaker. Yeah. Like this is, I'm glad we discovered this beforehand. Mm -hmm. uh, but I love the fact that premarital counseling, at least for, for my wife and I, when we went through it, it did give us that foundation of, yeah. hey, these are the conversations. This is where we line up. This is where we have differences. This is how we communicate in a way that we can get through those differences. And it really it, it wasn't even just so much about knowing, you know, if she was the one or not the one or, or mm -hmm. any of that. It was really how are we going to navigate marriage together? Yeah. Uh, and it, it did create a great foundation for us. So oh. highly, highly encourage it. it. I, and I think that the way we set it up, uh, one, in a group format, mm -hmm. um, because I think we're more – some people are not comfortable in groups. And I know we, we get a lot of pushback sometimes, like, oh, do we have to be a group? Can we do it individually? But I think we learn from each other. Mm -hmm. And so there are some questions that you might actually be thinking yep. that you don't necessarily feel comfortable asking, yep. but somebody else might ask. Oh, it. yeah. I was that kid in school. I never would ask questions. I would always have questions, right? <laughs> but I would I would never raise my hand because I'm I'm extreme introvert. I'm like, no, don't right. don't pay attention to me. Um, and so I would I would love it in group settings when somebody else would ask a question, right? So 
And that's, that's usually what happens, yeah. you know. And then we address things and we give them homework. Mm -hmm. You know, we want them to do the work. And yeah. we always tell people like, this is not just a box to check. Like, oh, I have to do this to get married at the church. Yes, yeah. you do. But we also want you to do the work. It's not just about going through the motions. Because yeah. if you don't do the work, it's like you never came. Yeah. You know, it, we it was give just a waste you, of time. Right. It, we give you a book, refer to it. And it always baffles me when people call a year later and they're like, we're struggling with communication. Well, did you pull out your book? <laughs> right? Did you have the a whole week you, on communication. Did, did you're you right. pay attention we to it? We talked about it. Yeah. Um, are you doing these steps? Yeah. You know, are you – how are you talking to each other? And – like no, we have we don't even know where our books are. I don't know what what to do. It and those skills kind of went out the window. Yeah. So, you know, I think people think it's easier than it is, but marriage takes work. It takes. Doesn't work. matter how pretty she is or how much you love her, it's still work. It is work. Yeah. It is work. It's good. Daily. All the time. <laughs> All right. Question number three: uh, What are the considerations for getting married after thirty-five? <laughs> So, so for somebody that, you know, in the Christian world, it feels like everybody gets married at 22. Uh, but for, for somebody that's like, I'm getting ready to make mm -hmm. this transition. I've, I've been an adult. I've lived my life kind of thing. And now all of a sudden I'm going to be connected to somebody. What do you need to watch out for in that scenario? Your ways. You get stuck, yeah. right? Um, so I always tell people that are living their life for a considerable amount of time um, that entwined is for them as well. Okay. Because you have to unlearn some things. Yeah. Right? You've been taking over the whole bed. Now you have to share, right? Now you have to pick a side, right? Uh, when you get married. Um, you have been able to handle your own finances, pay your own bills, make your own investments, do your own shopping, yep. arrange the cabinets the way you want. Yep. Um, eat what you want, when eat you want. What you eat what you want, when you want. <laughs> stay up as long as you want. Yep. You've been able to do you yep. for 35 plus years. Yep. It's going to take even more work for you yep. to share now that part of you. Yeah. right? Because we've been um, doing it on our own for so long. Um, so I think Entwine is actually really important for those couples. Um, to have those conversations. And also the conversation is changing, right? So our younger people are probably talking a little bit about um, when they talk about finances or talking about their first house or getting a puppy or maybe mm -hmm. having children in a couple of years. But a lot of times when we have people that are getting married later, they have houses already mm -hmm. um, or they have careers, they have career paths, yep. they have retirement plans. Um, they have a view of what their future is going to look like. Yeah. And so their conversation is going to be a lot deeper yeah. um, on those topics. So that's when talking about what do you see in the future? Like what, you know, you could be connected to someone dating, you know, like I found him, he's the one. And he's thinking about moving to El Salvador to study <laughs> some you know, animal, yeah. you know, in 10 years. And you're like, I had no idea that's what he wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't ever want to leave Chicago, right? right. Um, and, you know, it kind of, it raises good questions, yeah. you know. Um, and then don't even put children in it. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. Um, when you add children into the mix, if you have children, um, 
maybe from a previous relationship, previous marriage, um, how to navigate that path, how to navigate that with yeah. a new person is its own yeah. challenge. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the whole concept of the blended family, it, it is almost like a, a whole other category of marital counseling and yes. advice. And so we might get into that a little bit later in one of the questions, but um I'm going to move on to number four. Okay. Because uh, this one, uh, we'll try and make this one short, um, even though this one could probably be a full day's conversation. Because it is, <laughs> how do you improve communication in marriage? Uh, but one of the things that they kind of put as kind of a side note in the question was, uh, you know, the tone, the approach, especially when you're addressing conflicts. And mm-hmm. so a lot of times, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit before the show. A lot of times uh, the communication issue is either you're not talking to your spouse or you're just talking at your spouse. Yeah. Uh, and both are, are dangerous. And and I run into a lot, and maybe this is true for you too, but I run into a lot of people who are just talking at each other and they're, the voices get raised, the word choice mm-hmm. gets a little suspect, um, you know, it, it gets heated in those conversations. So how do you, how do you improve communication in the marriage? What are some just quick tips that you have for people? Um, so I would say two things we always tell people to do is um, learn a difference between assertiveness um, and active listening. Learn what okay. assertiveness is and learn what active listening is. Um, so assertiveness is basically using those I statements like I feel, I want, I would love um, and putting a feeling on that. Like, yeah. you know, letting them know like this is this is what this would mean for me yeah. if you were to do this. Um, and when you're assertive, not aggressive, assertive, and expressing your needs, your desires, and your wants, um, it allows for the spouse not to feel attacked. Yeah. Right? Um, and when you're actively listening and not listening to respond, you're able to meet that person where they are, yeah. not where you think they should be. Yeah. Because we don't communicate the same. Yeah. Right? Um you know, my style of communication, the way I communicate, the way I retain information is totally different than my husband's. It can cause major conflict if yeah. we're not careful, right? Um, so we need to, as a part of a couple, take our feelings out of it. Yeah. And, okay, what are you really saying? You know, um, if I come home and say, well, I love you too, like, are you really? Do you? I really felt are, that. Right. I felt that. Right. I mean, you're all crossed off. You're blocking yourself from yeah. me. There's a physical yeah. thing that's happening there. Um, and just, you know, paying attention to your tone. I know my husband has challenged me on that several times um, because I can be kind of sarcastic. Um, hey, I got that spiritual gift, too. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I can sometimes say things and, and it's like, I didn't mean for it to come out that way. Um, And as much as I do have a poker face in the counseling office, I don't necessarily carry that home all the time. And so it's like your face is saying something completely different than your words. And so being aware of that and acknowledging it, which is sometimes probably my hardest thing, is like, well, no, I wasn't. That's not what I meant. Um, And then asking those questions, you know, part of the act of listening. If you don't understand what they're saying, Repeat it. Yeah. You know, is even this... if you think you know what they said. Right. Still repeat it. Because yes. I, I, I've had so many conversations with my wife where I'm like, no, that's not that's not what I meant by that. Right. Uh, and so you got to get clarity. Yes. 
and be okay with explaining it. The other person has to be okay with explaining it again and not being annoyed. Like I've already said this, but I'm not quite understanding. I want to understand the heart behind what you're saying. Yeah. You know, so, you know, when a wife is fussing and complaining about having, being overwhelmed and having too much to do, what they're really asking for is help. Yeah. Right. And so what are you really needing from me? Yeah. So. Yeah, and that, that one can be a hard lesson to learn for guys uh, just because sometimes, you know, when they're ranting about mm-hmm. all the, the things that have been struggles, mm-hmm. you just kind of like, man, that, that sucks. <laughs> like, I'm so sorry that you, you went through that. Right. And what you're not hearing is, could you please take the dog out so that I don't have to? Right. Um, can you so help? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but sometimes it just goes right over our heads. But there, there's a principle here that I think even applies outside of just uh, marriage relationships um, that I try and teach our team. That perception is reality. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times the conflicts that we see outside of relationships in relationships is uh, somebody says, well, you you said this thing and it hurt me. Mm -hmm. And the person's defense is, but I didn't mean for it to hurt you. Mm -hmm. But that's not really a valid excuse uh, because because at the same time, like perception is reality. So whatever they perceived, if they perceived it as an attack, if they if they felt it as an attack, then guess what? It was was an attack. attack. You may not have wanted to attack them, mm-hmm. but you did. And so now you have to own that and you have to apologize. You have to rephrase things. You have to clarify, you know, I, I understand how that made you feel. I'm so sorry. There was a better way I could have said that. I didn't intend to, to make you feel that way. Um, here's what I wanted to, to say. Yeah. And and just having that, man, it, I think that that could solve a lot of inner workspace uh, conflict, uh, but also especially in marriages. Yeah. Uh, so perception is reality. It's a, It's a dangerous thing. Yeah. All right. How do you address the feeling of being undervalued in a marriage? Uh, how do you deal with the incompatible aspects of the marriage? That's kind of a two-parter, I guess. Mm. But let's let's focus on that. Uh, how do you address the feeling of being undervalued in a marriage? And so that's when that assertiveness training comes yeah. into play when yeah. you're learning to communicate, right? So you're basically expressing um, what your needs are. Um, we have an exercise that we do with couples. Um, where they have to list out three of their wishes. I, you know, I would like, I would, I wish that we could do this. Um, And when they can talk about their wishes and they take turns listening and explaining those wishes back and forth, they're able to actually hear someone. So we might hear couples say, you know, I wish we could spend more time alone together Mm -hmm. instead of in groups with our friends. You know, I want to connect with you one-on-one. It would make me feel appreciated Mm -hmm. it would make me feel like i'm the center of your world um as opposed to being entertained by all these people and when you're able to express that in a safe place you know um it it hits a little different than you never want to be with me (laughs) you know exactly (laughs) so and and when you let those things kind of bottle up they build up and then all of a sudden it does become that you never want to yeah if you had just addressed that you know in week one uh instead of you know on week 15 of feeling exactly. that way. Yeah. And that's when those words like never and always, which I call infinite terms, yep. pop in. Yep. Like you never do this. You always do this. Oh, I hate that. And it's like. I hate that so much. Oh, you know, and, and we all are guilty of doing it 100%. because we're 100% full of emotion yep. when we're riled up and we're like, you never hear me when I say this. You never. Yep. It's like, no, but is it really never? Yeah. And then we get really upset if someone say, but really is it never? Yeah. <laughs> But that's that's the problem because it uh, when you use those uh, words, it just gives the other person uh, 
like an excuse to not take you seriously. Right. Like when you're like, man, you never listen to me. It's like, I'm listening to you right now. So that's not true. Yeah. And now you're not paying attention to the fact that what they're saying is, hey, yesterday I was going through something and you weren't listening. And so it actually you'll you'll get your point across much better if you don't use. And sometimes we use that that always and never language because we want to make it feel as big as it feels for us. Yeah. Uh, But I think it actually does the opposite. Yeah. That when we throw those terms out, then the other person listening is just like, eh. Yeah. It's not true. It gives them an I out. I know it's not true. Right. It's yeah. an it's an out. It, I you, I never help around the house. I took out the trash yesterday. Exactly. And so you just you missed the entire point of the conversation. So exactly. You got to be careful there. So. Okay. Number six. This is going to be a, a heavier one. How do you recognize the signs of abuse in a mm-hmm. relationship? Because um, I think you know uh, physical abuse is is probably easy to spot, but mm-hmm. the other stuff, there's abuse that isn't raising a fist. So how do you, how do you recognize those signs in a relationship? So one, yes, there are multiple ways of abuse. There are physical abuse, emotional abuse, financial abuse, spiritual abuse. Mm -hmm. I would actually say that if you walk away from a a, um, conversation or from an altercation or from an interaction with the person that you're in a relationship with, and you feel under the dirt, chances are, and this is happening to you on a regular basis, chances are you're experiencing some type of abuse. Um, There are so many ways, and emotional abuse is the one that I think most people get away with Mm -hmm. um, because it doesn't leave visible scars. Um, So um, with emotional abuse, that could be manipulation Um, and that could be, you know, kind of passive aggressive tendencies to do different things. Um, and it hits here, you know, and, you know, that whole like adage of sticks and stones or break your bones, but words never hurt you. Those words stick with you forever. Words hurt. They hurt. There are things that I heard when I was a child that I still remember like it happened yesterday, yeah. right? Now, do they hurt as much as they did then? No, but they still hurt. They, I can still access that pain if yeah. I needed to. And in a relationship, the person that you're committing your life to, the person that's supposed to love you unconditionally, when they say things to you that belittle you, that make you feel less than, that make you feel stupid, that make you feel like dumb, or insignificant um, when they manipulate you, yeah. when they put you down to build themselves up, that's, that, that right there. that's abuse. Yeah. And it needs to be addressed. Yep. And in the Christian world, we see it in spiritual nature too, where they are condescending to you because mm-hmm. they feel like they're more spiritual than you. They have yeah. a better connection with God than you, yeah. which is if anybody who has a connection with God knows that if you're going to use the spirit to attack the person that God entrusted to you, you're not really listening to the spirit. Yep. 100%. <laughs> it's like you're abusing God's child. Yeah. And I think that when we see that through that perspective, it could possibly change how we deal with things. Yeah. And then financial abuse is, you know, that one can kind of be a little weird too, uh, where, you know, this is my money, 
you can't have it. Yeah. Um, but I'll give you a little bit of this. You know, you get like five dollars or whatever. Or we never have enough money, right? Mm-hmm. I've heard that a lot of times. We never have enough money. I can't go out with my friends. I can't yeah. do anything. I can't get my hair done. Yeah. Um, but I'm always being told I'm ugly, and but I can't do anything to improve it. And yeah. you know, those type of things. Where and then he's going out golfing. Yep. You know, yep. he's going out with his friends. Yep. And that is financial abuse. They're abusing you financially or yep. making you feel like you have no way out yep. or no way to get help or to find reprieve yeah. because they hold all the purse strings. Yeah. And I've seen it even where the abuse is uh, we have no money because of you. Yeah. It's your fault because, you know, you didn't you didn't budget for the groceries right. And now, yeah. you know, we don't have enough money because of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen that abuse happen a lot. And it's it's scary. It's man, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. That uh, so many forms of abuse really do get kind of swept under the rug. Mm-hmm. Uh, you hit on spiritual abuse and that one, man, that one as a pastor like that, that one probably grieves me more than anything else. Yeah. Uh, but when somebody says, well, you know. I know God better. And so he's not happy with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while I was praying today and God told me all these things that you need to fix in your life. And it's like, right. no, that's not how that works. Never how it works. Yeah, Every time I works. go to God to pray about his son, he talks about his daughter. Yep. Every single time. Because I believe me, I pray about Daniel yeah. all the time. I'm like, Lord, you need to fix your child. And he's mm-hmm. like, no, I'm going to start with you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you fix you. He fixes him. Exactly. It's, it's all good. So, uh, but yeah, that's, man, it's heavy. And, and so for anybody that does feel like they're experiencing some kind of abuse at home, yeah. uh, what, what, what advice do you have for them? Where, where can they seek help? So the first thing I always tell people is get safe wherever you need to be safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's physical abuse, of course we have, you know, connections here at different shelters in the area. There are shelter lines, um, mm-hmm. that we can put in maybe the show no- notes if sure. people want to have access to that. Um, but if it's the, the abuse that they might not be able to see, still get safe, yeah. right? Um, and then if, if you feel like you can't really talk to your spouse and then get some help for yourself, yeah. right? Get some counsel, talk to someone. Um, and at some point, if it gets this bad, this is when we pop in with the idea of a, um, a healing separation, mm-hmm. um, which is a term that we actually get from a book um, from James Dobson called Love Must Be Tough. And, you know, he, he talks about um, in the book about how Christians should separate mm-hmm. um, and when they should separate and how they should separate and the parameters for it. Mm-hmm. And we pretty much stick pretty close to the vest with that. Um, because we we believe that separation is just a, a tool to use to get to reconciliation, right? Yeah. It's not we're not trying to encourage you to get a divorce because we right. don't want you to get a divorce. We want you to be healed. Right. And we've seen God heal crazy things, right? Absolutely. I mean, He has healed relationships from you know multiple adulteries, um, you know, from physical abuse, um, from trauma. We've seen people come back and God has healed marriages and it's been miraculous. Yep. Um, 
but that process looks different for everybody. And yeah. so with a healing separation, that is actually done in the aid of counseling. Yep. It is not done yep. on your own. Yep. I'm leaving you, right? Yep. It is done with counsel. It's done with support, with accountability. Yep. And so uh, when we get to that point that we would recommend that for a couple or a couple is asking us about it, we, one, want to make sure that they have individual counseling and that they're also involved in uh, marital counseling yep. and that work is being done yep. um, to fix the problems that are coming up yep. in the marriage. And this is not a, a time of separation that's going to last two years. Yep. Like we don't believe it needs to last longer than six months. And within that six months, you guys, if you're doing the work, you should be able to get to a point where you can get back to a healthier place, yep. but still continuing to do the work. The yep. work doesn't stop. Right? We're going to be working on our marriages until God calls one of us home. 100%. So. No, yeah. I love that. And I, I'm so grateful that you you even added in that that part of you're not doing it alone. Mm -hmm. uh, so if anybody's listening to the podcast saying, oh, see, that's confirmation. I need to separate from my spouse. No. Your first step is to call Kiana. <laughs> uh, and, and then we can figure out if that's yes. the right step. But yeah. to do that on your own, I think, is just uh, it's inviting disaster. It is. Yeah. Because we're not trying to make you single again. Right. No, you're right. still married. This yeah. is not for you to go and get a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Yep. And no, this is about you working on you. Yep. And then you guys collectively working together on your marriage. Yep. I love it. So. it's good. All right. Uh, how do you approach situations where your spouse is reluctant to apologize after conflicts? So your spouse just doesn't know how to say, I'm sorry. Mm. Um. I think that comes with ask, bringing it to their attention because they might not know it. They might mm -hmm. think that they're apologizing by doing something, right? Yeah. Like, well, I didn't say I was sorry, but yeah. I brought you flowers or I washed your clothes or, you know, I mm -hmm. did a service, right? Um, some people don't know how to say I'm sorry mm -hmm. um, or some people – think of it as not as important because I'm going to show you that yeah. I'm sorry, right? Um, I don't have to apologize because we're moving on. Exactly, exactly. And and some of that comes from the baggage we have from our yeah. family and our and our background. Yep. Um, how did your parents tell yep. the, each other they're sorry? If you've never heard your parents say yeah. they're sorry, oh, chances are you probably don't know how to apologize too much, yeah. right? Um, so you know, being able to have that conversation like, okay, I see that you're doing all these things, but I really just wanted to hear you tell me that you're sorry. Yeah. I just really wanted to hear that you regret what happened. Yeah. And if you're still not getting what you need, um, you know, counsel's always great. I, I push counseling a lot because sometimes we just need that third person yeah. in the room yep. to echo what you're feeling in your heart because mm -hmm. people it's something about in that marriage relationship we kind of tune each other out after a while and, <laughs> and we need to have somebody else come into the room and say hmm, yep. maybe you should try this and I know as a spouse, and I'm sure my husband would say the same thing. It's like, I just said that last It, week. it is so frustrating. It's <laughs> like, man, I've been saying that and saying that and saying that. But then my wife hears somebody else say it. She'll see it on TV or yes. something. And she's like, oh, you know what we should do? I'm like, right. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay. But it's true. It's the same thing for me. Like sometimes I just need that that other voice yeah. coming in. 
Yeah. I like it. All right, question number eight. Uh, mm -hmm. How should newlyweds seek and filter marriage advice to avoid being influenced by others uh, from their biases or their past traumas? So I, I think the, the way I would clean that question up um, is um, when you're a, a new parent and you're at the grocery store and some random person comes up and tells you how to raise your child, uh, that happens for newlyweds too, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like everybody's like, oh, here's what you got to do for exactly. a happy How yeah. do you filter, okay, this is good advice, this is bad advice, this is advice. I don't, I don't want to model their marriage. Like mm -hmm. what, how do you navigate that as a newlywed? So this is where the Bible comes into play. Okay. Um, I really do believe I'm always believe happy that. when the Bible comes into I, play. <laughs> it's like, okay, how does that align with the word of God? Yeah. Are they telling me something that is against yeah. what I know is true? Yeah. Um, or they just give me their opinion. Yeah. And quite honestly, most of the time, thank you. Yeah. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's it. And yeah. you don't have to take it. You don't have to respond to it. Yep. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. You know, and just keep moving. Um, That's what I learned to do as a dad. Just, yeah. Just say, oh, thank you. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't ask you, but yeah. thank you for that. No, my kid's going to cry. It's, it's, it's okay. Thank you. Right. And. I think that that is probably the healthier way because a lot of people feel entitled yeah. to giving their opinion. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do with social media um, because we can give our opinion freely behind a screen and we think everybody wants to hear our opinion, yeah. um, but we don't. Uh, <laughs> so, um, and, you know, I, I think that in, when you're looking for opinion, look at the source. Um, I think it's healthy for us to have friends and, you know, I have two really great girlfriends and what I love about them is that they're not just Kiana's friends, they're for my marriage, right? Yeah. So when they give me correction, when they give me advice, they give it to me with the heart of God. And so I can receive it a little bit better. Um, they'll tell me, okay, you're a little out of pocket for that, yep. you know? Um, you know, I don't think that that's what he meant, uh, you know, and they they are champions for us. Yep. And for the marriage, not for yes. you as an individual. Exactly. Because, you know, I have those friends, too. They're yeah. going to always be on my side yeah. no matter yeah. what happens. And you know which friends are which. You do. <laughs> which means the tendency is going to be like when I just want to feel like I'm right. right. I'm going to go to the people that are going to be like, you know what? You're right. Exactly. Yeah. But I love that, you know, those two women in my life they love god first yeah. and they love me and while they are like they will be the ones to build me out of jail if i need it <laughs> right but they are also those ones that will pray for my marriage yeah. and pray for um the health of our relationship and pray for my yeah. husband and pray for me they're the ones that i think uh, he feels the safest around because he knows that they're not going to recommend that I do something crazy, right? Yeah. Or that I leave him. Um, and they're going to always have our heart, you know, yeah. their heart is always going to be matched to ours um, for our marriage. And um, so figure out the people's intention, right? Yeah. Some people are just jealous, they're petty, they're upset that you're getting married and they're not, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're yeah. upset that you have kids and they don't. Yep. And it or comes they're, out. They're in a bad marriage and they're going to project all of their stuff onto you. Exactly. Or they've been through multiple divorces and they're yeah. going to see your marriage yeah. through their marriage and oh, through yeah. their filter. And yeah. they're not going to have the same hope. Yeah. 
Oh, I, I, I still remember the first time I got marriage advice from somebody that had never been married before. Hmm. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, well, are you qualified for this? Like, what? Like, I'm all for good advice, but like, I think you need to be married before you can tell somebody else what it's like to be married. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Which is, it's, it's hard because, you know, even as like a, a therapist, like we're trained to do this, right? Yeah. And we're trained most of the time before we're actually in a yep, relationship. Yep. Um, so <laughs> it's like, I feel like a hypocrite. Like That's a weird moment, right? <laughs> it is. You know, like, yeah, I'm 24 yep. and I'm going to tell you Let how to help do you with it. your marriage. Let me help you with your marriage of 30 years. <laughs> yeah. I love it. All right. So this, this is going to be, I'm going to read this question, but we're not going to answer this question okay. uh, because the question number nine, I just want to keep the numbering uh, in, intact. Mm -hmm. So number nine was what are the key principles to saying hopeful for a partner or remaining content in singleness? But I'm not answering that question now because we're going to answer that next week. And so the whole show for next week is all about singleness. Mm -hmm. So we're going to take care of question number nine then. So sorry, we're not answering it now. <laughs> Uh, all right, number 10, though, uh, I kind of love this question as a, as a pastor. How do you maintain spiritual peace? I love that just in general, but then they add it on, especially before church. And I think that every Christian that's married has experienced that whole, like, Sunday morning chaos. You know, the kids do something they're not supposed to do. You're driving into the church parking lot, you know, practically cussing each other out. <laughs> and then you open the doors and it's like, okay, it's church time. Stop it. Mm. I always tell Andrew, um, don't let the devil use you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And he's acting out before Poor his time shows. Like, don't let the devil use you. It's Poor time Andrew. to go. Um, he's just trying to drum. I know. That's what he's trying to do. <laughs> he's like, Mom, I just want to play. Um, but, you know, I think that is one of those things that we actually have to guard against, right? Mm -hmm. We know Sunday's coming. Yeah. Right? Um, and I, I see that as. Uh, indication that service is going to be on fire and <laughs> whatever is going to be talked about is going to impact you spiritually and it's going to help yeah. you with growth. Yeah. Right. And so um, kind of looking at that as a, as a sign, like, Oh, church is going to be great today. Cause you getting on all my nerves. <laughs> right. Um, and, and we see this actually, um, I was telling, um, I was talking about it before the show that we see this when we starting, Pre, uh, premarital counseling it's it's mm -hmm. hilarious yeah um uh, like i would get in arguing with my husband the day before premarital counseling yep all the time and it's like what it's amazing how much that happens so as a preacher it's like if i'm going to be preaching a, a finance series uh -huh. i'm gonna have money problems that week if i'm, exactly. if I'm speaking a relationship uh, series i'm gonna have relational problems that that week if i'm talking about kids i'm right. gonna have kid problems that week it's just Whatever I'm speaking on, we're going to talk about patience. And, man, yes. I'm going to have so many opportunities for patience uh, during the week. It's it's nuts. So it's just a sign that God is about to do something amazing. Yeah. And and just be on, on guard for it, right? Yeah. Pray about it beforehand. Um, you know, n don't allow yourself to be baited. Yeah. Don't take the bait. Yes. It's like, you know what? Do I really want to argue about this right now? Yeah. Probably not. And use some wisdom. Yeah. That's pretty much all you can do. Yeah. You know, arguments going to happen. They're going to happen on the way to Sunday yeah. service. You know, you might make a crazy turn and your wife is like, oh, my God, you're trying to kill us. And it's like, no, I'm not. I just was trying to get to church. Yeah. You know, just don't take the bait. Yeah. And the reality is we should be trying to maintain the peace whether you're heading to church or not. So. Yes. Same same principles apply on a Tuesday Tuesday morning on a Saturday afternoon. Exactly. Like, 
sometimes we feel like, okay, I can't sin right now because I'm about to go to church. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, you do realize that God is with you everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. So maybe yeah. you should have that same heart like on Tuesday night. <laughs> Pretty much. And I think you should always be praying for peace in your home. Yeah. You know, um, it is a regular prayer for yeah. for me, um, for our home. Um, and it's not just for um, the peace between my husband and my son and myself, but also for anybody else who comes in, yeah. right? Because whenever we have people coming into our space, they're bringing their stuff too, right? And we know the supernatural and the spiritual is is real. So, yeah. you know, I pray for peace to be covering our space. Yeah. Um, because I don't want anybody leaving no chaos. <laughs> you know, yeah. don't, don't leave it. Take it with you. Yeah. Leave it on the front door. Yeah. Um, but, you know, creating a space a place, a home of peace. Yeah. I like so it. that's good. Yeah. All right. Question number 11 for you. How do you trust your spouse to lead the family, including when they are not a believer or they are introverted? Mm. That's a, that's a massive question. That is a massive question. Trusting your spouse to lead the family, um, including when they're not a believer that, that one becomes, that's a pastoral question. I think you think so? I think so. What you got? Um, <laughs> So what I have, and I think I've said this here recently. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm I'm assuming that like they're they're uh, referring to when Paul talks about um, the husband is the head of, of yeah. the wife and the head of the family. So in all of that, um, all those scriptures. So there's like three different places where it talks about this. Every single time, it was directed at the individual. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is it was as if the Holy Spirit was saying, "Okay, Kiana, I want you to uh, respect." your husband. Mm-hmm. And then the Holy Spirit was like, okay, and Daniel, I want you <laughs> to, uh, you know, love and honor your, your wife. And so what happens is we get in trouble when we try and enforce the other person's job on them. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Daniel's job is never to say, Kiana, you're supposed to love me. Kiana, your job is never to say, Daniel, you're supposed to, uh, you know, lead me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we take responsibility for our own side of it. Now, in a in a relationship where both people are taking that it's fantastic it's great it's smooth sailing it's easy when one isn't a believer doesn't necessarily know how to do that or even know that they're supposed to do that it does make things way more complicated way more challenging but it doesn't change the fact that you're just responsible for your part yeah so you you do the thing that you're supposed to do you listen to the holy spirit you allow the holy spirit to work on that that other person you pray for them if they're introverted Hey, I'm introverted. Yeah. That that shouldn't affect uh, how well a person can right. lead in any way. But the the believer unbeliever thing that's why we caution people like, yeah, don't don't marry somebody that's not a believer. Right. And then if you didn't follow that advice, or maybe you're both unbelievers when you got married, uh, but now you've come to faith, it it, it definitely I, I think is one of those where focus on the part that Scripture tells you to be responsible for. Yeah. Uh, and allow the Holy Spirit to to cover the other. I think that's good. And I think that it's okay to honor your yeah. spouse, yeah. right? Believer or unbeliever, you should be honoring them. Right. And so, and honoring them is just by respecting them yep. um, in whatever capacity that they're yep. leading in. They could be great providers, great fathers, great husbands, but not have a relationship with God. Yeah. And attacking them or to belittling them is never yeah. going to lead them to God. Yeah. 
it's so, that honey vinegar yep, thing that we talked that about whole before. thing <laughs> yeah and so and if and if you're a, a wife whose husband is not uh leading in a spiritual way then there are things that you can do kind of on the side you bring your kids to church yeah. get them plugged into a youth ministry where there's going to be male leadership that's going to you know mm-hmm. show them what it means to be a man that loves god you know there, yeah. there's there's things that you can do uh, you know, I, I know a, a lady that had adopted two kids. She had no husband, just her and the two kids. So she got them involved in all kinds of church activities mm-hmm. where they would have a good, positive Christian male influence on their life. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there's there's things that you can do to assist yeah. in this. But I think ultimately you focus on the part you're supposed to do. Right. And then allow that fruit yeah. to yeah. produce something. Love it. So. All right. Uh, how can this is number twelve? How can one spouse support and empower the other in areas such as leadership and marriage, ministry calling, or personal development? So we've kind of touched on this in a few other mm-hmm. questions, but uh, how can how can you support your spouse? Uh, so um, your husband, he's got different ministry calling than you do. He's got different passions than you. How do you support him in those things? One, um, it's it's a little different because you know for the people probably don't know this, but my husband and I have not actually attended church together in a long time. Um, Probably a good portion of our marriage um, because my husband's a church musician and he plays at other churches. And um, and so my son and I come here and then he comes when he can. Um, And the way that is actually like a not necessarily allowing, I hate that word. I'm not allowing him to do anything. That is how God gifted him. He's yeah. a phenomenal musician and his calling has made more room for him than I, you know, he was a musician when I married him. Yeah. Um, so um, the best way for me to support him is to allow him to do what God called him to do. Yeah. You know, I don't stand in the way of him doing what God called him to do. Yeah. Um, when I'm available, I support, yep. you know, um, you know, it's, it's a little harder with, um, a child, you know, yep. when, when he, before we had children, um, you know, I would run around with them for certain things and, mm-hmm. um, be present. Um, and he does the same thing for me. Right. So, um, there's as a counselor, of course he can't come to my sessions with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has, he has come to entwined a couple of times and sat in with the men talking to future husbands, yeah. right? He nice. sat in with them. Um, he has attended events with my team or um, he is very much present um, in certain um, activities that we yeah. do as a team. Um, and so he does support that. Um, even today, um, you know, we've had some difficulties this morning with some family stuff and, um, his thing was go do what you need to do. Like, you know, I'm going to be here and, and we'll deal with what we need to deal with when we get home, when you get home. But he's like, you made a commitment to the church. So go do what you have to do. And, and that's his way of supporting me. And so it's really just kind of making room for them to do what they're supposed to do and not to hinder them, not to make them feel guilty. Um, But I will say this, this is something I heard from a pastor years ago. I'm not going to say his name, but because uh, I don't know. Some people have their <laughs> own feelings, but. Dun, dun, dun. I know, right? Now we uh, all want to know who it I is. <laughs> it was actually in a sermon and at our previous church, and um, we had a speaker, and he talked about 
the fact that he was divorced and he explained that he's divorced because he put his ministry before his marriage. Yeah. Right. Your calling can't come before your first ministry. Yep. Right. So if you prioritize, you know, it's God and then my spouse (laughs) Um, and then my calling, you know, if you're spending every day and night at church or doing the work and your spouse hasn't seen you and haven't felt your touch or haven't had a meal with you, then you are completely out of alignment with God. And God does not want that because your first ministry is to them. And so prioritizing that is really important. Yeah. The way I've, I've, it's going to sound funny when I, when I talk with young pastors Mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm still supposed to be in that category, (laughs) but I guess I'm not uh, anymore. But uh, when I talk with younger pastors, like one of the big things that I push on them is um, the Bible says that Christ will build the church. Mm -hmm. He doesn't say you're going to build the church, but he does say you're going to build your family Mm -hmm. and he doesn't say he's going to build the family. (laughs) So if if there's one thing that needs to be built by you, it's your family. And if you have to let some ministry stuff go, Jesus is going to handle that. He's going to take care of it. It's going to be okay. But if you neglect your family, it's not going to be okay. Jesus isn't becoming the, the, the husband and the father in in that family. He's expecting you to do those things. Uh, And so you just got to be, be careful with that. Yeah. Yeah. The the only thing I would add is uh, I've learned to be the biggest cheerleader for for my wife, Mm -hmm. whatever it is she's trying to do or wanting to do. Mm -hmm. I'm her cheerleader. I'm I'm there to, to cheer her on, to tell her she's got this. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. Uh, you know, Wednesday night she's teaching at our mm-hmm. CLC women. And mm-hmm. so I'm taking the kids. Jaden has his high school introduction. Uh, so crazy. I told you I'm not a young pastor oh anymore. God. I'm an old man. Uh, <laughs> I have a child in high school. Um, but so like I'm taking on like parental duties that normally yeah. she does uh, because she's got ministry things. And so that's how I support her yeah. in that. But yeah, I think it's good. All right. Uh, number 13, to what extent should personal and friends matters be shared between spouses? And how does one maintain boundaries with friends of the same sex? I feel like that's two very different uh, questions. So yeah. one is like, should there be things that you don't share with your spouse? This is controversial, <laughs> but yes. Okay. Um, if I'm sharing, if I'm, if I'm talking to a friend of mine, and they're talking to me about their personal issues or their situation. It's not my job to share that with my spouse. Yeah. Um, because it doesn't necessarily impact us or me. Right. Um, it's just me being a friend. Yeah. Um, and vice versa. You know, like if he has a friend that's going through something or he's talking to them, I'm not expecting for him to get off the phone and download all that to me. Yep. Quite honestly, I don't need to know that. Yeah. Right. Um, and so understanding the boundaries, um, that are in place for your friendship and your relationship. Um, and that's okay. It doesn't mean that you're keeping secrets either, but you're keeping confidences and that's a little different. Yeah. Um, and so that is what I would say. Like, yeah. I'm on board with you, and, and I, I get the the controversy of it. And yeah, I think that there is a dangerous side of that because some people can mask bad behavior behind. Yes. Well, I'm just keeping confidence, uh, right? But then when you add the same sex or opposite sex, or, yes, you know, then it becomes a little bit more, you know, 
right uh conflict inducing or or shady i guess is the best way to put it uh right. but yeah there, there's been times when you know i'm talking with a friend that's going through something and afterwards my wife will just see like that that looked like a rough conversation yeah. and i'll just say yeah just be praying for them they're, they're going through some stuff yeah and that's, and that's, that's as far as the conversation goes mm-hmm. and and she understands that now there's yeah. also other conversations where i've i've been talking with somebody and they're like mm-hmm. Uh, you know, don't tell soul. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm totally no, no. telling soul. Right. Now. Like 100%, like this is happening. Uh, and so I'll just be upfront with it. Like, right. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna, that's usually a- when we finish this conversation, I'm going to go tell my wife uh, so that she can be praying for you. And, right. You know, also so that she keeps me accountable. Like we, exactly. So, yeah, I, I think the, the caveat there is like we don't keep secrets. Yes. Uh, but I do think that there are times when she doesn't have to have all of the information mm-hmm. uh, in order for it to not be keeping a secret i yeah. guess is the best way to put it and i think that that's appropriate even with family you know oh, yeah. um there are some things that you know i'm i'm an older sister right i have three brothers um if they are sharing something with them that's going on with their relationships or their life i don't necessarily go and run and tell my husband everything um because if they wanted him to know they have his number and they will share it but i'm their sister so there's a certain confidence that i share with them um and i respect that boundary and and i do that with the whole family right and and then i advise them like i think this is something you probably need to talk to mom about this is something you probably need to talk to dad about this is something you might want to get your brother-in-law's opinion on because you know he could actually help you with this and kind of guide them in whatever way they need to but it's not my job to to do that yeah i think i think the um I don't know the, the the thing to keep in mind is if it feels like it's gossip, yeah, then it's probably not the right thing to be doing. You exactly, know? it's still gossip if it's between you and your spouse. Like, right, the two oh, of you can be gossiping. For, you know? Pray for someone yeah. so because you know her yeah. husband. Dear you will something never something. believe what I learned today. <laughs> exactly, you know, right as my wife puts it, the T. Um, exactly, yeah, yeah. So, we're not doing that. Caution there. All right, uh, number 14, uh, what are effective ways to seek marriage advice and connect with couples who can provide guidance? You want to just give people uh, the email address for counseling at cfc.tv? That's mm-hmm. how, you, how you can effectively seek marriage right. advice. Exactly. Um, I think that is, I mean, the Bible does tell us that there is safety in a multitude of counsels. Yeah. So, you know, seek out counseling. Um, I'm going to be like Mel and Tim on Sunday. I'm going to push life groups. Please, um, if you didn't, I would have. <laughs> you know, you need that accountability. Yeah. You need to have other people. And and not necessarily just for advice, but for role models as yeah. well. Um, yeah. You know, my husband and I were part of a life group here um, before our life took a different turn. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it was helpful for us. Um, you know, for we were in one for three years and the same group and those people are still a part of our life. Yeah. You know, they're still a part of our our community. Right. Um, the Crons were a part of our life group. Awesome. And so uh, when they were talking about it, you know, even on Sunday, you know, Don and I were like, that's how we met. You know, <laughs> like because, you know, that's that is how our relationship started. Yeah. And. Um, and so I think that you have those options that are there to get as much spiritual guidance and advice. Um, yeah, with appropriate boundaries. Cool. Right. Which I, I like think it. is actually part B of the other question yeah. was about boundaries. Yeah, yeah. 
But I think there's another question that we could probably answer later about yeah. boundaries because okay. boundaries are so important. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've got we've got six more questions on here. We're okay. gonna do our best. I think we've already been going for an hour, which is usually our cutoff point. But if, if you're at game, I'm, yeah, I'm game. Six more up. questions? Come on, let's do it. We're gonna win today. Uh, we failed last week. Last week we had like 25, we got through 15. Oh. Uh, it, was, it was really bad. I'm here uh, for the win. Yeah, come on, come on, make it happen. All right, question number 15. How can couples make time for each other when overwhelmed with work and parenting responsibilities? Mm, just do it. Do it. How just do you make do time? It. Make time. You have to do it. Yeah. You have to lock a day off the calendar. Yeah. Um, and you have to prioritize it. Yeah. It has to be a priority. And it doesn't like – I think we talked about this and I've heard you guys talk about it in the last couple of weeks. Um, it doesn't have to be something spectacular. Right. You don't have to go out for a five star meal and, you know, with, you know, all the stuff. Yeah. Uh, it can just be for a walk. Yeah. You know, um, it can just be sitting on the couch watching a movie yep. um, or laughing or just sitting around talking or something like that. Um, the idea is just to do it, yeah. to make that time. Um, sometimes it could be just sitting out on the porch, you know, um, I know when our son was younger, we would go to Chick-fil-A on Monday nights. He would play in the play area and we would sit there talking to each other, you know, eating That's a great Chick-fil-A. Date. I know that all the time. As Chick-fil-A is amazing. <laughs> so, um, we used to do that and, um, that worked and, you know, now our son is a little bit more like, cause he's the only child. He's a little bit more like, I need all your attention. Mm-hmm. Both and of you so, focus on me right now. Right. right now. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, we'll, you know, maybe have a movie night or sit down and talk on the couch and just kind of, yeah. you know, have some FaceTime, um, which I think Nisha and Wes mentioned yesterday, yeah. um, just having some face to FaceTime yeah. just to talk. Um, sometimes like, you know, even last night when we were, you know, chatting about life and, you know, he was like, let's just put the, let's put him to bed and then we could talk. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like, okay. Um, you know, we walk around the block, you know, yeah. he walks ahead of us and he's playing and we walk and we talk and that's good stuff. And usually that's the better stuff because we're not stressed about the money we're spending, how far away from home, getting that, a babysitter. That, that's my thing. Uh, <laughs> There's been times when like we're trying to do something really fancy or really nice, and all I'm thinking about is how much money we're spending. Yes. I'm, I'm the like I'm the saver. I'm the like yeah. okay. I want to make sure that the, yeah. So it's it's almost more stressful for me. Like I got friends that are like we're going on vacation to Aruba and we're doing this and then we're doing that. I'm like how much money are you spending for your date? Like I'm just taking my wife to Chick Fil A. Like, like <laughs> let's go. Come on, babe. This is gonna be great. See. Uh, but it, I think it is just a, a matter of you got to make time. Uh, you have to put in the work to, to do that. Uh, yeah. And that means pulling out your calendar, coming up with a day. And for some people, there's a set day, a set time every week. Yeah. For others, uh, like Sol and I, our schedule, it's so flexible. Like it, it no, no week is the same as the week before. And yeah. so we can't ever say, well, every Friday night is going to yeah. be date night. Like it just doesn't work in our ministry lives. But we get, you know, Thursday afternoon lunch together and we get, yeah. you know, Friday morning hangouts. And, and know, it doesn't have to be at night. Exactly. That's, that's be, been the big thing for us. Yeah. I mean, like, I know when our son was in school, when he was um, attending school, um, we would sometimes my husband would be off yeah, of school that's, because that's he's called free childcare. Yes. Yeah. And he, you know, if because he worked for a school district as well. And sometimes the calendars didn't align. Yeah. And so he was off a day and Andrew had to go to school and yeah. we would go to breakfast together. Yeah. You know, that's awesome. That 
that was a great date. You know, we would take our time and we might go to the mall and walk around and, you know, do things like that. Um, And you take those moments when they come and and don't stress out if it's not every week. Yeah. Right. Just be intentional about when it is. Yeah. And you'll feel when it's when you've gone too long. Yeah. Uh, and you're like, I really, we need some time together. Yes. And if, if one of the spouses says we need time together, the job of the other spouse is to say yes. 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 <laughs> Even if you're not feeling it. Right. But if they're feeling it. Like there, there was a moment where I felt like Sol and I, we spent every waking moment together. Mm. And then I went to the office for something and she texted me like an hour later. She's like, I miss you. <laughs> I'm like, you cannot possibly miss me. Like, we have literally just spent every waking moment together for, like, three weeks straight. Right. But I said, miss you, too. Like, yeah. It's just one of those where it's like, okay. Like, she needs she needs that connection. And so, That's how it was during COVID. It was like, you know, my husband would be doing classes in the basement, and I would be doing um, with my son at his classes upstairs. And um, I actually, I think one of the gifts I got him was um, this little bond app or whatever okay and if you tap it it tells the other person <laughs> that you love them and so he'd be in a basic he's like what does all this mean <laughs> just tapping like crazy i'm just like tapping he's like what does it mean i'm like i don't know that's awesome um but you know you gotta find fun yeah ways to connect yeah you, you have to do it there's there's no secret formula there's no yeah you know, mas- magic recipe for it it's just just do it it's, right it's like spending time with god Yes. Like you're always going to be too busy to read your Bible. It's, it's just always going to be a thing. But if you want a healthy walk with God, you need yeah. to make time to read your Bible. Oh. You need to make time to pray. If you want a healthy marriage, you got to make time to be together. Yes. Yeah. And be okay with learning something new. Yeah. I know our, our my former pastor um, and his wife, she said that she picked up golfing because he was golfing and she's like, and anything's going to take my husband away from me for hours at a time. I need to be a part of it. And so she started golfing and she's Can actually you tell my wife to learn how to play video games. <laughs> Cause that would just, that would be the, the magic. Uh, I am really bad at playing video games. So um, Andrew gets so frustrated with me. And so does Daniel. They're like, you supposed to jump over that. I'm like, for real. Yeah. So, but we do do it. We, we try, yeah. you know, but if it's something that's going to occupy their time, yeah. um, that means it's important to them. Yeah. So it should be important. And it doesn't to mean you. you have to do it with them every time they do it. Yeah. There's probably some times where they're like, I, I actually just needed some space. I needed some golf time. Right. Without you. Exactly. Uh, but when you do have a connection, those those interests, I think it's great. Yeah. It's awesome. All right. Question number 16. How do you navigate differences in family planning and parenting styles and agree on the number of children to have? So. Can I jump in and just mm-hmm. say, how do you navigate those differences in premarital counseling? Yes. Those are differences you don't navigate after you get married. Those are differences you navigate before you get married. Yes. Uh, but for the person listening that says, oops, uh, <laughs> here we are, we're married. Uh, how do you how do you navigate those kind of differences? You need to have a conversation, yeah. a really serious conversation about the realistic expectations that you have yeah. for your relationship. I think a lot of times, um, in our marriages and our relationships, we we have the expectations that we don't share, yeah. and we hold somebody accountable for the expectations that they are not even aware that right. are there, right? So, having those conversations, being intentional about those conversations yeah. about what your wants are and your desires are, are pivotal. Like you can't, there's no way around it. Yeah. Um, you know. We had the conversation about kids before, and my husband was kind of indifferent. Like, yeah, yeah, if we have kids, great. If we don't, 
I'm okay. And I was like, but I still want to have, I want to be a mom and I want to have a kid. And and he's like, okay, we have a kid. Yeah. You know, it was a conversation. That's, a, that's an easy compromise. It was an easy right? compromise, right? But he was very clear. I want to have five kids. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, okay, I'll compromise. Can we have like three? <laughs> and, you know, and God saw that we only had one and that's okay. But, you know, that was an ongoing conversation. Yeah. You know, we were nine years into our marriage before we had kids. And yeah. so, you know, those are regular conversations that we were having on a regular basis because it can change. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you get into a career that takes you in a different trajectory, you know, kids might not be on your radar at this moment anymore. And that's a conversation you need to have with your spouse. You know, that's a real life conversation yeah. um, because now all of a sudden your expectations, your desires are changing and it's not fair for them to just assume yep. that everything's still the same. Yep. So yeah, you definitely have to revisit those conversations. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah I, so like Sol and I, um, I wanted three kids since I was like 12 years old. <laughs> I'm a weird guy. Like I was <laughs> thinking about kids at 12. Uh, but I wanted two boys and then a girl, and I always said in that order. Uh, God loves me. Uh, Clearly. Because that's what we have. We have two <laughs> boys and then a girl in that order. But that's what I wanted since I was 12. Right. And when, when Sol and I first started, we had this conversation before we got married because mm-hmm. uh, we, we did things the good way. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I'd asked her, you know, how many kids do you want? She said she wants two. She's like, I want a boy and a girl. And I was like, ooh. This is rough. And so, like, I had to do, like, the hard work of saying, okay, is this an area that I can compromise in? Yeah. With, with, if I end up having a boy and a girl uh, instead of my three kids, like, I've been right. planning since I was 12, am I okay with that? Yeah. And I came to the conclusion that I was. And, and I was like, if this is what she wants, yeah. I'm not going to allow, you know, a childhood dream of two boys and a girl right. uh, ruin that. Right. And then we had the conversation about it. And she said, look, if, if we end up with two boys, I would, I would, I would have the third child to try and have a girl. Mm. She's like, now if we have three boys, <laughs> it's over, it's done. She's like, I'm not going to four kids. I'll go from two to three, maybe. Uh, and so that was our arrangement. Yeah. And so I still remember we're, we're at the doctor's office and we find out the sex of my middle child, Bennett is a boy. And it was like the, the weight of the world just lifted off my shoulder. I was so excited, but I looked at her and she was happy. Yeah. Uh, and so it was It was one of those. And now we look back and she's like, I can't imagine not having one of my, my three kids. And yeah. She's on team three kids. But we, the thing. we had the conversation. Yes. And both of us were willing to compromise for the other. Absolutely. And I think that that's, that's the lesson that I, I want people to learn is can you compromise on these things? Because if you can't compromise on them, then you shouldn't have gotten married. Uh, yes. And so hopefully you discover that before the marriage and not after the marriage because then it's just going to create some conflict absolutely you definitely need to have the kid talk um yeah first yeah (laughs) uh what about like parenting styles so i I know that like so for for soul and i we have very similar parenting styles Mm -hmm. our approach to everything has been you know neither of us wanted to do homeschooling neither of us wanted to do private school it was public school all the way and Mm -hmm. um you know, we both have, you know, we're not opposed to spankings when, when the kids were young enough to, to need them. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I feel like if I try and spank my, you know, high school child, that just feels very inappropriate. Um, he's the same height as you. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's literally my size. So, like, is that just a fight at that point? Like, is that a spanking anymore? Exactly. Like, I think I just fought my child. Right. That's domestic uh, violence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and so, like, so we, we were lined up in a lot of things. But we did have to navigate. Um, I was... I'm a little bit more heavy handed, a little bit more, 
I don't know, harsh or direct. Mm -hmm. So like when my kids are doing something wrong, it, my voice will raise, I'll cut it down immediately. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, we do not behave that way. Like, here's our standard. Like yeah. we're shill kind of like, oh, you know, hey, maybe we shouldn't do it that way right now. Or, hey, could you guys lower the yeah. volume a little bit? And I'm like, everybody quiet. <laughs> um, and so we do have different approaches in that. Yeah. How, how do you, I don't know, what, what's what's your advice? How do you navigate that if, if two parents are not seeing eye to eye on how to raise? Well, one. The first thing you need to establish as a parent is that you guys are a team, right? Because oh, yeah. you're, you're, you know, if you're not, a kid naturally knows how to split their parents, oh, right? Yeah. They know. They oh, I come knew. out. I knew. Ask dad. I, Don't ask mom. Oh, my gosh. Every pa single time. Pastor Jerry. Go, go. <laughs> Dad's the pushover. He's the easy one. The problem is he learned early on how to say, did you ask your mother? Right. And I was like, man. See, and that's just it. You have to be a united front. Yeah. Um, and so even if there are differences in how you're parenting, if you guys can connect alone yeah. and have those conversations and not to expose those differences to the children, you might be able to make it, right? Um, because kids do, they know naturally who they can get what they want yeah. from. Um, I think it was your dad who actually said in the sermon that kids come out lying, right? They come yeah. out sinners, oh, yeah. right? We've been lying since we came out. Right? Crying because you're hungry? Nope. You just nope. say it. You're crying because you got a dirty diaper? Nope. Your diaper's clean. You're crying right. for no reason. Exactly. <laughs> I'm liar. crying because I need you to come see me. That's it. Um, so they already know that. Um, but it's really important as a couple to understand that it's important for you to be on the same page. Yeah. Um, Naturally, I think there is a more disciplinarian person, um, you know. That but, was the word I was looking for. I'm the disciplinarian. Yes. And then there's usually like the kind of pushover yeah. maybe parent. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah that's uh, 100%. Yes. I'll literally, she'll, she'll send me a text message while I'm at work uh, saying, <laughs> hey, you know, Bennett is mouthing off. He's being whatever because it's usually Bennett. It's always the middle child. <laughs> Uh, sorry, middle child. They people. need attention. Um, but so, so he's doing something. So it's like, when you come home, you need to deal with it. So I'll come home and I'll deal with it. And then she's like, Oh, don't be so mean. And I'm like, I literally, I only did this for you. Like I wasn't even a part of this. I did this for you. I didn't even know this was happening. <laughs> yes. Right. So I am the opposite. <laughs> okay. Um, I am an, I'm on team. Um, I'm going to handle it. And when your dad gets home, he's going to handle it too, because we are on the same <laughs> team, both gonna right? Handle this. We're going to both handle this. Um, and you know, that's kind of how we work. Um, there are sometimes I actually think that my husband is probably a little more of a pushover because he doesn't want to make him cry. Okay. Um, and you know, he he's gets, a musician. He's got that softer side. I guess, <laughs> you know, sometimes when he gets on him, it is, it is clear, right? Yeah. That dad is not happy with what's yeah. happening. Um, I spend more time with our son because we do homeschool. And that was a whole conversation. That oh, was yeah. a whole conversation. Uh, Cause that was never in my plan. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, that's kind of how we navigated that. You know, we, we kind of are, having the conversation as we go. Yeah. I don't think we had this conversation beforehand. I don't mm -hmm. think we knew how yeah. we were going to be as a parent beforehand yeah. until you have a child. Yeah. I don't think you clearly know. No, definitely not. Sol and I had some conversations. Like we, we had like the spanking or no spanking kind of mm -hmm. conversation. We had the school question uh, yeah. conversation before we had kids. 
But then, you know, now all of a sudden you have a child and it's okay. What are you doing? Right. <laughs> you doing? Yeah, you're definitely figuring it out as but you But that communication piece is so pivotal in every single area, yeah. right? I mean, because our plan, I was never planning on being a stay-at-home mom. I was yeah. never planning on being a homeschool mom. I was always planning on finishing my career and, you know, going into practice and doing things a different way. Yeah. But God had different plans. Yeah. Our son was a preemie. And so we had those conversations early on, like, okay, yeah. what does this look like? You know, um, can we survive as on a one income family? Um, we went out to dinner and had a conversation while our son was in a NICU trying to figure out what our next steps were. Yeah. And then we would check in, okay, well, He's in, you know, he's getting to that age, preschool is next. What do you, you know, what are we going to look like? What is this going to happen? You know, are we going to go to public school? Um, Our child has special needs. How are we going to meet those needs? Um, I love that you guys revisit that conversation at different milestones. Yes. And and we needed to, um, having those conversations going from preschool to kindergarten. Me, I was very clear. I want to make sure that if he's in kindergarten, that he's in the same school with the same friends. Um, because I don't want him to have to reintroduce his disability yeah. to every single new kid that comes right. around, right? So um, I was very intentional on that, and he supported whatever I was choosing. And then, and when we decided to homeschool, that was a it was a funny conversation. We were both at an IEP meeting, and he left to go pick him up, and he came back, and I was in tears. And he's like, "So what about homeschooling again?" And I was like, "We're so homeschooling. <laughs> I am done with the school system." And he was just like, "Okay." And it was a no brainer. And but it was revisited over and over again because things were changing. Yeah. So I love it. All right. Um, it's kind of a big question, but uh, what contribute contributes? I can't even speak. What <laughs> contributes? That's the word I was looking for. It's literally <laughs> written on the iPad. Uh, what contributes to a long lasting marriage? And how do you define uh, a and maintain a healthy sexual relationship? So. Ah. Somebody just had to squeeze that sex question in. I know. We like um, to talk about sex, don't but we? What are the, just, just, <laughs> just bullet point it for me. What, no. what contributes to long-lasting marriage? Healthy communication. Healthy communication. And let me guess. Healthy, healthy communication. communication. <laughs> Next question. Yeah. No, I, I think it's, it's brilliant. I, you know, we, we kept apologizing yeah. for it last week because we're like, you got to talk, you got to talk, you got to talk. But, uh, you know, I, I really am convinced that every uh, – marriage problem every reason for divorce that's that's quoted it's actually it's a it's a symptom not the problem yeah the problem is communication if you cannot talk things through in a healthy and constructive way then you fight you break up you have all these issues with sex with money with parenting with all of it like all of it is solved when you can learn how to sit across from somebody and have a conversation with them that doesn't turn into finger pointing and cussing them out and yelling at them and it's you know it's just open and honest communication to try and solve the problem yeah to work on each other right and it's it's also important to remember that you're a team yes i'm not at war with you it's not it's not a war this is we're a teammate we're not fighting with each other we're fighting Ah. for our marriage we are the holmes and kelsey combo yeah in this super bowl we have to work together, yeah. right? And and that's the only Thank way it's going to work. I just football had to. Into, yeah. Yeah. yeah, go Chiefs. Yeah, I was uh, I was rooting for the Chiefs too. There's a yeah. there's a guy from the high school I graduated for, from that plays for the Chiefs. So oh, awesome! I have no connection to the Chiefs other than that. Yeah. I don't really care about the Chiefs, but hey, I only watch football once a year, and that's the Super Bowl. And I had from a fan. Frankfurt, and <laughs> he's you know he's 
play no Super Bowl. I'm going to root for him. Awesome. Why not? <laughs> okay. The sex question, though. Yeah. How do you define and maintain a healthy sexual relationship? Um, so we said it yesterday a few times that, you know, sex actually stems from someplace. Mm-hmm. You just don't. Doesn't start in the bedroom. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think there are tons of books, tons of videos you can find where we talk about how men are like a microwave, but women are like a slow cooker or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever. What was, that? what was Joe McGee's? It was a. Uh, it was like the, the the pump well. Yeah. <laughs> it got very descriptive. I was like, okay, all right, you Joe McGee, you gotta prime that pump. Like, okay, yes, sir. you do, and um, and so it does start with it starts with good communication. It starts with um, seeing your partner as your friend, as that person you want to spend time with. It starts with knowing love languages and showing and expressing love in that way. Yeah. I tell my husband all the time, when you wash the dishes, it's the sexiest thing in the world to me, like seriously. And I, I, I make him blush and everything. I'd be on the phone like, oh my God, I think I did it like a week ago. I was on the phone with my brother. I'm like, oh, Daniel's washing dishes. I gotta go. It's <laughs> like, what? I love it. You know, it's, 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 it's funny, yeah. but it's also true. Yeah. Um, and it starts with, you know, those conversations throughout the day, you know, if you can, or text messages, or, you know, the, I always love like watching my, my aunt and my uncles growing up, they would like, you know, one walk pad and they'll pat them on the butt. And I'm like, oh my God, I want to be that. Right. Um, and so it really is about investing yeah. in the other person yeah. throughout the day, throughout the week, yeah. throughout the lifetime of the marriage. And, it, it takes work, it but does. It's, it's worth the effort. It is. And I know that the question came up yesterday and it has come up a few times about the issues that could come up um, physically, mm-hmm. medically, and a relationship that could deter intimate, you know, that, that whole sexual part. Mm-hmm. But I would actually tell people that things happen, right? We can get accidents. We get you know, be paralyzed, we could have a medical condition. There are all these things that could possibly happen that could impact your ability to physically connect. But there's still work that you can do in that area, whether it's holding hands or kissing or hugging or touching, um, anything that helps connect you. Yeah. And, and that is important just because that one part of you yeah. might not be working as well as you wanted to, or that drive is not there because, you know, God yeah. created us in such a unique yeah. way that our drive is up and yours is down and yours is up and ours is down, yeah. um, which I believe is a way for us to serve one another. That's my own personal opinion. I like that. I like that, that I, take on it. I think that that's really, it's like if our focus is on the other person, it it doesn't matter, yeah. right? And so it's just, I feel like that's why he, that's why he does it. Um, but finding other ways to connect because the intimacy is more than just a physical act. Yeah. It's about connecting with me here, yeah. right? And and so I can connect, if I can, if you can connect with me here, yep. I feel closer to you yeah. now than if we had sex 50 times a day, yeah. right? And so, it's not about the number. It's about the quality. It's about the connection. Because so. ultimately, it's not about sex. It's about intimacy. Yeah. And if you can, if you can achieve intimacy, that's that's the goal. That's the purpose. Yeah. Cool. I like so. it. All right. We're down to the last three. Come Woo! on, home stretch. 
How should Christian singles approach dating and what principles should guide dating for marriage? I know we're going to cover singles and all that next week, but I, especially from like a uh, entwined kind of perspective, mm-hmm. like, um, you know, what, what principles should guide uh, dating for marriage? Somebody that's approaching dating as this isn't just me trying to hang out and have fun mm-hmm. and not be alone. This is I do want to be married and I want to find the right spouse. So how do I go? How do I approach dating with marriage as the end goal? So it starts with prayer. Um, we need to be praying about our future spouse, mm-hmm. praying about who that person is, yep. pray about the characteristics that you're looking for, mm-hmm. um, making that clear. That can start as young as 12 years old. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, it could start, you know, I know I'm praying now for my future daughter-in-law, right? Um, We should be praying for our children's future spouses now. Absolutely. And pray for them to be revealed to them in appropriate timing. Um, And so I believe that prayer is essential. But then the next thing is stop playing around. Just tell them, listen, I'm not in it for, you know, just a Netflix and chill night, right? This is, I'm looking for, my spouse, the person that's going to be with me for a lifetime. Yep. This is not something I'm just playing around with. So if you're here to play, I'm moving on, then I need to move on. Cause yep. you know, and it's something my dad actually said when I was younger, he said, if you can't imagine yourself on a, on a rocking chair with gray hair, looking at the grandkids running in the field with somebody, they're mm-hmm. not worth your time. Yeah. It's good. And so I use that as a principle. Yeah. It was like, if I can't have a conversation with you and feel comfortable having a second one, then you're not worth my time. I'm not giving you any more of my time, Yeah, you know, and being okay with that, Yep. being okay with being single and continue to do your work, continue yeah. to work on you. So, and I think that's, that's the one that I, I really, I, I wish more people would, would get deeply that whole um it's better for you to be alone than for you to be with the wrong person absolutely um and i've just my heart (laughs) grieves when 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 people are man they they go into something with all of the red flags and they know all the red flags are there but they choose to ignore them because i'd rather have red flags than no flags yeah um and it just it breaks my heart because it's it's tough it breaks mine too because you can sometimes see it. Yeah. You know. And I, I, I get the, the pain that somebody has yeah. that causes them to say, look, I know he doesn't treat me right, but he treats me. Mm. Like, and I would, I would rather be with somebody that's treating me wrong than just be by myself. And yeah. the, the amount of pain that somebody has to be experiencing in their life to come to that conclusion, that breaks my heart. But I still, it's like, I want the Holy Spirit to do a work or somebody to just get it that it's it is better for you to be alone than for you to be with the wrong person yeah man yeah that's a that's a heavy one all right um what is this question 19 we are (laughs) we are right there i almost wanted to skip this question though because i'm pretty sure my wife uh texted in uh but how do you address a lack of attention during couples time such as excessive phone use Ah. during date nights and i don't know that soul text that one or put that one in there but it, it sounds like something she would say so this goes back to your assertiveness, right? <laughs> this is part of your, how you communicate with your spouse. Um, I know I can sometimes be guilty. I like to play 
games while I watch TV and it annoys my husband, even though he's not watching the TV show with me. <laughs> and I'm like, why does it bother you? Yeah. I'm fine. I can do two things at once. Um, I'm listening to the show. I don't have to don't, watch the show. I look up, I see it. <laughs> um, but because like, if it's something that he wants me to watch, you know, like right now he's into Kitchen Nightmares. So he was watching an episode of Kitchen Nightmares yesterday and I very casually just put my phone down, right? Because I know it's going to annoy him. If I'm sitting there playing, oh, a, you. you know, makeover game on my phone and swiping all over the place or doing my Duolingo because I've been doing that very good. Uh, but what uh, language are you learning? Spanish. Nice. Yeah, but I'm really bad at it. Uh, I need to probably do more conversational. Uh, well, we have some people that you could uh, practice with. Uh, just one or two. No. <laughs> But uh, I'm really good at reading, but not speaking. Okay. Um, but I, I, you have to be like, there's that word again, intentional, right? Mm -hmm. If I know that it annoys my spells, I'll do that. Sometimes when my husband wants to talk to me, or if I want to talk to him, I'll mute the TV. Yeah. Right. Or sometimes they, hey, can we turn it off? Because yeah. I just really need your attention yeah, when yeah. I'm talking to you about this, especially scheduling. Because yeah. you'll be like, what is happening? Well, I know it's getting serious when my wife pauses the show <laughs> and then turns to me. She's like, oh, we're having a conversation right now. Right. I need all I thought we were just hanging attention. out. But right. Okay. This I is need different. All your attention yeah. at this moment. So. You know, being aware of that and then also finding the right time, you know, if, you know, similar to something that they said yesterday, um, I had to learn that bombarding Daniel with my all my day yeah. when he when we we're first getting home is just never going to work. Yeah. Right. Um, so he needs the moment. And sometimes yeah. I have to tell Andrew that because as soon as he hears that key in the door, he is at the front door with the basketball or with yep. the tablet or without with his game. And he's like, I'm ready to play. Yep. And it's like, no, let daddy come in. Let him take off his coat at least. Right. <laughs> um, and so just kind of giving them that space and recognizing when they need that time. Yeah. Right. This might not be the time right. to have this conversation or to talk yeah. or, um, you know things like that yeah. so just be aware and yeah and and this this one is this one is my issue so like <laughs> i i recognize it uh i am i i do need to put my phone down and aside um and so sometimes for me it's just i get so caught up in the work mm. or the thing uh that i don't realize that i'm doing it yeah uh, but when i do make the realization like okay, I need to do something about this. Mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of times it really does just help for my wife to just say, hey, uh, you're on your phone. Right. And it's like, oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, like, because it's not intentional. It's just, it's absent-minded. Right. Uh, but then the thing that she's working on is there are times when I'm already doing something on my phone uh -huh. and then she comes in and gets mad at me for being on my phone because she's trying to have a conversation. It's like, right. okay, well, I was halfway through an email right. that I'm sending out. Yeah. Can, I, can I finish this? And then we have the conversation instead of just yelling at me for doing something I was doing before you came in. Right. So, Daniel does that to me. I, I'll, be in, I'll be in the room. I'll be watching TV on the computer and I'm just playing and having my own time. And they'll come in with a whole conversation. I just pause it. I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. We're, uh -huh. okay. What I was he's, doing isn't important. I know. Right? He's like, oh, wait, you're watching. Oh, go back to watching your movie. <laughs> I was like, okay, thank you. He's like, wait, man, are you really going to watch it? I'm like, yes, it's a good part. <laughs> you interrupted. We'll talk after. Right. Uh, no, I think that's, that's, it's, it is an area of weakness for me. So it's yeah. a vulnerable space that I can yes. work on. It's okay to put it down though. And you have to for good communication. Yeah. 
So especially if it's important. Yeah. Yeah, and I've, I've, I, it's funny. I notice it now more because I have kids that have cell phones. Mm. And so I'll be having a conversation with my my soon to be high schooler, and he's on his phone, and I'm just like, okay, you gotta put that thing down. And as soon as I say it, I'm like, oh, that's how soul feels. Uh, and so it's it's like the tables have turned, yes, <laughs> and now have. I feel it. Yes, in a deeper way. <laughs> All right, our final question: um, What are healthy boundaries regarding friendships mm. with ex partners? And how do you manage a partner who maintains ties with an ex? I don't think the person that asked this question is going to like, well, no, they're going to love the answer. Mm. I don't think the person they're married to is going to love the answer. So um, I don't know if there is a relationship with an ex. Yeah. Um, I get it. You can have friends. Um but if they're not, especially if they're opposite sex, if they're not a friend of us, they're not a friend yeah. of you. Um, and you have to put those guards up, right? You have to protect your relationship. Yeah. Even before marriage, that protection needs to be in place. Yeah. Um, so um, I'm not friends with ex-boyfriends yeah. on Facebook or anything like that. Um I don't have phone numbers of ex-boyfriends. Um, I I try to honor my marriage by not exposing it to yeah. potential concerns or threats. Not that I'm looking for somebody else, but it's also very important for me to um, be aware that I could possibly open myself up to something that is just not what God wants for our relationship. Um, and I think, I think it's my husband would probably say the same, same thing. You know, he runs into people, you know, we might run into someone. Um, but it's not, we're not about to have a conversation. Right. Um, and if he needs to have a conversation, he gets my buy-in first, right? Like, okay, someone wants to talk to me. This person wants to talk to me about this. How do you feel about that? Um, Do you want to be there? You know, it's like, okay. You know, most of them I don't want to be there. But it's like I – but I'm aware of what the conversation is, when the conversation is taking place, how long the conversation is going to last, and what the conversation is about. Because that's one of those situations that we're not going to keep that – confidence right no i'm sharing this with my wife exactly that that's when it is a secret yeah yeah so and i think there's there's a lot of layers to the response to this question um i think that the social media side of things Mm. included is like look don't even like unfollow unfriend block do whatever you have to do like it's just it's too easy because you had a vulnerability with that person at one time and so if you start having issues in your marriage, it's going to be really easy for that person to all of a sudden become really attractive again. Absolutely. And it's, it is that whole thing of, man, maybe I married the wrong person and I should have. And when that ex is still part of the life, like it's, it's just, it complicates things. So like, I would say even on the social media level, like no unfriend block, don't follow all those things. Um, and if, if, your spouse is liking photos on Instagram of an ex. Like you need to have that hard conversation. Yeah. Um, and honestly, for me, it's a giant red flag if your spouse says, "Oh, it's no big deal." 
no, it's a big deal. And it's it a big is. deal because I said it's a big deal. And the moment I said it's a big deal, you should have said, you're exactly. right. Um, so sorry. Yeah. Um, and so the complication or the other layer of this is when you're dealing with an ex uh, who's the mother or the father of your child. Mm. Uh, and so, like, there is some connection that has to be maintained yes. uh, for the sake of the child. And so... Uh, what kind of so we'll use that as like the the scenario because I would say outside of that scenario you don't have a relationship no. with with an ex it just shouldn't happen mm-hmm. uh, I don't care how good of a friend they are or were there is no friendship that is more important than the friendship between you and your spouse absolutely and so anything that can jeopardize that get rid of it yeah so in the unique case of y'all have a kid together and you're co-parenting and you're co-parenting and you're trying to navigate that. What kind of boundaries would you recommend somebody have? So this is actually um, something that we we get asked a lot when it comes down to um, blended families sometimes, Mm -hmm. as well as relationships outside of the marriage before. Um, So the first thing I would say is that you are now a parenting duo, right? So you're you're connected with somebody else. Mm -hmm. And it's important to have that united front the same way you would have it with the kids you need to have it with this other person (laughs) Um, they need to respect the fact that you are now one with someone else and if you are communicating that this is the responsibility of the 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 spouse that is connected to that person not the responsibility of the person that they're with now right so if my husband if my husband's ex-wife and him had a child, my job is not to connect connect with her about the condition of our relationship. It is his about how we're going to deal with the kids. And it's important to bring that spouse in as a way of um, being um, a support for the family because you are a family. You're all connected at this point. Um, I think this is one of those things that honestly is rare, but Hollywood actually kind of gets it kind of okay. Okay. Because they that, that's have That's a this, unique moment. I know. Because these Hollywood families, they can navigate the system, at least from our viewpoint, right. pretty well. Um, where you can have the ex-wife, the current wife, and all the kids together at Thanksgiving, and we got a picture and a spread, you know, for People Magazine yeah. or whatever. Um, I'm not saying that we're going to ever want to get to that point, right. but for the kids' sake, you yeah. need to have harmony. Yeah. Um, there needs to still be the respect that this is mom, this is dad, this is stepmom, stepdad. Yep. Um, you each respect of those them roles all. are different. Yes. And you need to acknowledge the difference and respect the differences. Exactly. Yes. Because just the same way kids will split a parent, oh, yeah. they will split that group yeah. like nothing else. And they will cause division and stress. Yeah. And you don't want that. And then if your ex is causing drama, then you need to squash it. Yeah. And communication with that ex really needs to be a multiple people conversation i've heard of couples that have group chats with the ex um with the ex and even if the ex is married you know it's it's four people in that group chat because we are parenting now i'm a big fan of group chats especially (laughs) when it's opposite sex yeah keep anything from even feeling weird my wife gets cc'd on so many random emails that she has nothing to do with 
just because I'm like, ah, I just feel weird. Yeah. That being a private conversation. That yeah. It shouldn't be a private conversation. Absolutely. So. Hey, this is good advice. Uh, and I, I think, um, you know, if we could sum up this entire conversation, it is have a conversation. Pretty much. Like, just communicate. Have a conversation. Go to Entwine. Yeah, there you go. Seek marriage counseling if yep. you need it. <laughs> yep. And, and honestly, even if you don't really need it, it's probably. Yeah. And maybe it wouldn't necessarily be marriage counseling, but maybe a marriage life group yes. or a marriage event or retreat or something yes. where there's going to be a little elements of that marriage counseling, but it's also yeah. going to be, you know, disguised in activity right. and fun. Like We have to invest in our marriage, whether, I mean, I'm, I'm all for uh, conferences, yeah. um, reading books together, watching yeah. YouTube videos together even, um, but doing something to invest, whether it's a devotional, we're really bad at devotionals, uh, we so, got one. Sol and I are too. So, oh my god! So the, the you know <laughs> as a pastor, and I felt I felt confidence in this. I was I was in this pastor training thing with uh, Larry Stockstill, who's like one of the giants of the faith uh-huh. uh, alive, and uh, he was talking about how he and his wife don't do devotionals together. Uh, because his way of thinking and her way of thinking are so drastically different mm-hmm. that they would never enjoy that moment. And so instead what they do is he does his Devo, she does her Devo, and then they pray together. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I don't feel That's so bad anymore. Do it. I was like, yeah. if Larry can make it work, I can make it work. Let's we do this. tried. We've tried. We we have one we got for our wedding, and it's perfect. It's yeah. pristine right? because we've never <laughs> used it. It's beautiful. And then we got one last year. We went to a family life conference, and I was like, are we going to really – uses and he's like yeah we could try it and they had like date night ideas in there it sounds like like, souls all the time we should do this and i'm like it's not happening and i was like are you sure because i don't want to buy it if we're not going to do it it's been sitting on our shelf the whole time it's just not something that we are necessarily drawn to um but being intentional trying to pray together um which sometimes with our life schedule it kind of gets you know you have to find that perfect time um but trying to connect yeah you know in whatever way you can and so, keeping god definitely in the center because there is yeah. no healthy marriage without him yeah sorry so, something that that ended up working really well for for my family was actually to do it as a family hmm. uh, so we've had greater success with family devos than we've had with like couples devos yeah uh and so we actually we just do soap uh which is what mm-hmm. we always teach here right. is scripture observation application mm-hmm. prayer and so we actually did it during the 10-day fast. Uh, we sat down with our kids at the, the dinner table because we're fasting. So, right. Uh, so we sat down at the dinner table, opened up the Bible, and we read an entire chapter together. And then oh. each kid had to give their observation, their application, and, and then we prayed together. And it worked great Yeah. Um, for that connection, that bond with our kids, with my wife and I. And then it gave us things to talk about and pray about throughout the day. So yeah. I see the merit of it. Yeah. Just sometimes that – that kind of connection, it, it is hard because yeah. the way I study the Bible, the way soul studies the Bible is is different. Right. Yeah. Right. But keep God in the middle of the relationship. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Kiana, thank you so much for no hanging problem. out. I know this is a very crazy day for you. And uh-huh. so for you to still be here, yeah. we just appreciate it greatly. Thank you. And uh, for anybody that is needing mm-hmm. uh, to talk, uh, counseling is available for our members, mm-hmm. uh, members of CLC. Uh, and if you're not a member and you contact Kiana, she's not going to be like, ignore uh you're just going to give some resources <laughs> yes. for them to, to follow so uh yes. you've got a plethora of information to redirect people to the the places where they can get help yes so counseling at clc.tv that's it and uh we're gonna help some people yeah have some healthier marriages awesome
Thank you. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for hanging out for this. Uh, I think this is officially the longest episode of Between Sermons ever. So good job, Kiana. Uh, but uh, we are going to be back next week talking about all things singlehood, singleness, uh, and especially talking about uh, what it's like for singles that are wanting to become married. So that's going to be specifically for, for you next week. But it's going to be a great conversation. Hope to see you there. And uh, God bless.